Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to Bright Lights, our weekly excursion into the world of achievement, uh, where we bring you guests who have achieved in all fields, uh, different fields of human endeavor. And basically, we would like to bring you some positive, uh, a positive perspective on your situation uh, and your goals in life and how to achieve them. And so I'm very proud tonight uh, to have as our guest, and we expect for him to be joining us here shortly, uh, the Reverend Jerry McAfee. Uh, Reverend McAfee is a pastor of New Salem Missionary Baptist Church. And in the spirit of full disclosure, both he and I have been members there for, he's been a pastor and I've been a member there for 34 years and, and we've worked together on quite a few things and I've just come to admire his commitment, uh, his knowledge, his smartness, uh, his loyalty. Uh, it's a lot of things that I really like about what he's doing. I love the congregation in New Salem. It's a type of uh, audience that uh, we really are trying to help and do some things for. Uh, Reverend McAfee is also a businessman. Uh, many people don't know that. Of course, he's a community leader. Uh, he's uh, he's my friend. Uh, a lot of people don't know he's a former college basketball player. Uh, I can see where he could be a pretty good point guard. Uh, he's a friend of Stevie Wonder, and uh, we've had a chance to have Stevie at our church just about every year I look like almost every year and perform and sing for us uh and he's my friend uh reverend mcafee has also been uh president of the minneapolis naacp the minnesota baptist convention uh you probably have seen him he's done interviews on cnn and a lot of other networks he's in the papers all the time uh, anytime there's some issues in the community and there's a press conference, uh, he's there and he's there because he knows what's going on. And I've just admired uh, his knowledge of the community and the people in this community. And he's been working hard. Uh, and one of the things I like about New Salem is they got they have all types of ministry to serve people, whether you're talking about uh, prison ministry, uh, you're talking about street ministries, nursing home ministry, and anything you can think of, food service, men feeding the community, that's a ministry. And all of this is done uh, as servants of the Lord, and I really respect him for that. Now, I'm a little under the weather, been under the weather for the past couple of days. Uh, my little grandson came over uh, on Friday, I was planning on taking him to the Washington County uh, Fair on Saturday, but he got he got sick and had a fever about uh, midnight or so, and I had to make a run to the 24-hour uh, drugstore at 3 a.m. in the morning. And but luckily he seems to be okay. Even got one of those fancy uh, point and shoot. I shouldn't say it like that. Point at the forehead thermometer that uh, gathers your temperature. Of course, uh, me being the doting dad, uh, grandfather that I am, uh, I wanted to take him immediately into the emergency room and uh, or the urgent center. And we finally called our uh, medical 
uh, hotline and we talked to the lady and the lady tried to talk me, tried to calm me down. Yeah, it's, it's my grandson. Uh, long story short, she finally said, look, uh, she went through a whole series of questions. She finally said, look, as long as his uh, temperature uh, is not 102, he should be okay. So we did the thermometer thing and his temperature was 99. But the bottom line, uh, as a result of that, uh, my wife uh, and I both came down with a bug. Uh, another thing, while we're waiting for Reverend McAfee, and I'll, I'll run this by you, that happened during the week. Uh, I had, we had, in our neighborhood, and we had a pretty quiet neighborhood, believe it or not. Uh, all of a sudden, we look up, and there's these vehicles uh, parked on the street every day, all day, about a block or so from my house, and they got all this recycling bicycles and aluminum cans, and, and they got a truck with a trailer, and I don't even want to get into it. Long story short, uh, it was slowly becoming like it was going to be a homeless encampment, and so we talked to the city of Minneapolis, and they came out, and at least for now, they've taken care of it. Uh, we had uh, a person living out of their car drive up in front of our house in an SUV. And my wife says to me, boy, that woman is showing all her assets. And I go look and it's really, a, it's really a guy. And right in front of our home, the guy starts getting in the backseat, start changing clothes, undressing, and still with no privacy. Long story short there, this is where I'm going. Uh, we had a, a young lady, I was having a meeting here at the office and a young lady came by with obvious mental issues. We we couldn't get talk to her uh, rationally, of course. And finally, the, uh, we called the police to come take care of the situation. Uh, but by then, uh, the when the police got here, they started describing all the uh, violence and crime going on out here, how people are basically ignoring the law. People are playing games like they want to run into the police car and laughing and where this, according to policy, they cannot uh, address certain uh, crime. They just let people go. Uh, if there's a home burglary, they don't expect for them to come out. Uh, there's a line to get the police to come out. Long story short is that uh, Minneapolis is slowly becoming uh, almost a lawless town, like a lot of the West Coast cities, Seattle, Portland, uh, San Francisco, L.A., San Diego, anywhere where you have these woke leaders uh, over these states and cities. You, this is what's going on, and I see it coming here to Minneapolis. And I've always said to myself, as long as I'm in Minneapolis, I'm not leaving North Minneapolis because I feel that's where I'm needed at. But I never thought of the day where I'd actually think about just just leaving the state. And I'm at that point right now because of the leadership that we have and the direction that we're going in. And I don't see any end to it because just if you look at these other cities and states that I talk, talk, talked about earlier, the voters keep putting these people in. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, not one incumbent in this state, governor, mayor, city council, congressperson, uh, deserve to be reelected. Not one of them, but uh, I know how things go. People will be. Hey, I see my guest, Reverend McAfee here. I know he's short on time. Uh, uh, welcome, Reverend McAfee. You should have heard the wonderful introduction I gave of you. It, it's true. Uh, yeah, but you're under a lot of pressure to live up to it now. So, oh, okay. yeah. 
let's just dive into it. I appreciate because uh, I know you're busy, man. And I, I when I talked to Reverend McAvoy, I said, because uh, I have a lot of time people set things up for me and, and they come and tell me when it's going to be and where I got to be. Uh, long story short, Wednesday nights, uh, Bible study and prayer meeting nights uh, at most churches across this country. And I don't know why I didn't catch that. So I appreciate you taking some time out from your schedule to be on here. So how you doing this evening? Well, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. And you? I, I'm, I'm very well. Uh, so, Reverend, let's dive. I've told them about all your uh, things. Let's just dive into some issues out of respect for time For time here. Let's start with a fundamental uh, type of question for you, Reb. What do you see as the role of the church uh, in this community of New Salem, specifically New Salem Missionary Baptist Church, of which you've been a pastor for 34 years. And I explained to him, I've been a member for 34 years. So we kind of came in together. What do you see the role as New Salem, uh, of New Salem Missionary Baptist Church and other churches here locally? Well, and across the country. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Historically, as a people in America, we've never made great strides without the church. The church has always been in the forefront. Over the last 30 or 40 years, certain powers that be have tried to relegate the church to the back seat. And as a consequence, we see what our communities are looking like. Uh, for 30 some years in New Salem, we have been feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick and in prison. And wherever the particular need in the community has been, we've tried to meet that need. Normally, you know, and you know this, financed uh, by us because powers that be want an impotent African-American church. Uh, you know, we talk about self-sufficiency uh, the whole nine, and I'm of the opinion that there are many that would choose us uh, to need them uh, rather than to allow us to fish to feed ourselves. And so as a church, we've tried, you name it, from education on down, We've been involved in it. Yes. And uh, I know you have been working with other churches here locally. And we'll get back to some of the uh, lack of support uh, from leadership uh, after this. Uh, you've been working with a lot of churches here locally, uh, doing some great things out there on the street as far as nonviolence and things like that. Working, And I know you work with gangs and things like that. Uh, why don't you bring us up to date on your latest efforts in that area? Thank you. Right, right around April 30th, we experienced several things on that day and coming days that was a, a little unusual. We had a 10-year-old shot in the head uh, who's still fighting for his life. Uh, then we had an eight-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little girl who was shot in the head and both uh, consequently died. We then uh, started strategizing around efforts that we can do to try and reduce this violence. As you know, we've done this before uh, with not uh, much help at all. And Bishop Howell had called for a meeting, uh, Bishop Howell, Shiloh Temple International, uh, Pentecostal Assemblies of the World, had called for a meeting of a lot of the different clergy, black and white together, about what could we do. He then called Spike Moss and myself and asked us to present at this uh, forum. And so Spike set the uh, meeting up, you know, dealing with the cause, the effect, and the impact that the church could and can have. And then uh, I introduced them to a concept that we call 21 Days of Peace, where the police 
picked over north the four hottest areas as well as the police in St. Paul, as well as the police in Brooklyn Park, they picked their hot areas. And we asked churches and people to occupy that area for 21 straight days. And the statistical data, Lacey, is astonishing because everywhere we planted our feet, crime went down. The murders, the shots went down. Uh, we had two instances in, uh, incidents. One, one of our ladies, uh, she was a member of Shiloh. They had the Broadway Lindell corridor. She got hit by a stray bullet, but we were all right back there. And then on 36th and Lindell, a young man had threatened Pastor Heron them by telling them that uh, y'all better not be here tomorrow. So they called me and we called others and they tracked a young man down. He got religion and he came back the next day and apologized and said he wasn't raised like that. So we've been finding a lot of different things out there while we're there, because when we're there, we're also, uh, we have resource resources. By that I mean, we were able over this last past week to place 11 people in jobs. We've gotten some in treatment. Uh, and it's so much homelessness, man. Oh yeah. Oh, your mind. So the things that we're finding, and we're just trying to meet the need, because as you know, crime is 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 a symptom. It's not the root cause. And so we've been trying to deal with an intervention as well as a prevention strategy. And uh, it's been, man, we had one weekend where we invited law enforcement. So we had the state troopers. We had the Ramsey County, Hennepin County sheriffs. We had Minneapolis, St. Paul PD, and even the BCA as a way of putting a different spin on this nonsense of defunding the police when you're at all-time crime. It's idiotic. Uh, and nor is it the will of the majority of the people that I serve, even the people on the block. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I, I agree. And I, I know you have been trying to get the city officials well previously work with the city to support what you're doing but they always seem to go the other way uh give us a little bit of taste of your frustration in dealing with the powers that be in the city of minneapolis and what they're doing to the black community here uh even though if you listen to the news you would never know it i, I don't normally waste my time right after 30 some years you know, they, they, they're not for real. Uh, it's gimmicks and games. They, they need us sick. They need us sick. Right, right. Yep, yep. Their own need. And that's what I was saying earlier. Uh, you know, out of all that we do, uh, if you get the data, matter of fact, after the first 21 days, Lacey, Charlie Adams from the 4th Precinct gave the statistical report. We went in many areas, 18 to 68% down. Now this is the police giving this report. Mm -hmm. You would think that the city council, as well as the mayor and them would say, hey, we need to do something, but they haven't. Now here's what is interesting. The governor found out what we were doing and called and asked and inquired about it and how this, you know, everything about the group and something happened that ain't never happened with me before. Uh, 
one, they did a direct appropriation, I think a 2.6 million with, uh, and that deals with workforce, uh, safe streets, and two other things that, that skipped my mind. Uh, and then the opportunity to RFP for another 2.6, but it was Chief uh, Harrington, you know, who's over public safety. Right. Uh, him and both police chiefs are the ones who talked about the need of what we're doing. And so that was a surprising thing to me. It ain't never happened to me, but the city of Minneapolis North St. Paul have offered any help. Uh, that's a sad commentary on city leadership. And what our audience should know, and because we talk sometime and I've been in some of these meetings with you, uh, what I've always been impressed by uh, you and the team that uh, you're with is just your, well, first of all, your background, uh, your experience uh, in the streets and with the uh, type of young people that we have to deal with, mostly young, some of them are old. And secondly, your knowledge, other people and what's going on in their lives. I read an article and I just want the audience to know this. I read an article in the newspaper. Then I talk to you and I find out about the girlfriends and all the other intrigues that's going on that help explain that. I do know that uh, as part of the violence reduction, that one of the reasons that your team is so effective and impactful is that because you know those kids, a lot of them, they're family members, you've known them for a long time. And from my uh, understanding, viewpoint, you would think that that would be a, a, one of the main uh, criteria for selecting the people that go out there and try to stop it. And so, but it sounds like the city of Minneapolis, that's not that, that, that important. Uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, the leadership. We talked earlier about the leadership of the black churches, and we've talked about this before. Part of my frustration is, and we know it's not good, we see groups like. Uh, not in the picture or the equation. And, you know, I'm old enough to remember the civil rights movement. And there was an uh, older religious leader that was God in it. And there was some spirituality of push. How do you explain the fact that now we're, they're pushing BLM and groups like that as the leader of our movement for justice? How do you explain that, Reverend? That's cosmetizing the corpse to camouflage the curse. They, they, they look like they're alive, but they're dead. They have no impact in our community whatsoever. If not a police issue, you don't hear from them. They raised 30, they collected, collectively out of two group, I think it's Take Action or somebody and uh, Black Lives Matter, Black Visions Collective, over $50 million off of the death of George Floyd. They've not put a quarter into rebuilding the community they've not put a quarter into dealing with the violence that in 88% of the violence in our community is us on us. So when they say Black Lives Matter, you can't get at to me because one is funded, as you know, by George Soros and them, uh, who really ain't cared that much about us either other than keeping us impotent. And they're a joke to me because how can you, let me put it to you like this, Lacey. Reason why I gotta go uh, 
since Saturday, we've had 16 shootings and four deaths. And I'm familiar with all three families. So I went to two families uh, earlier and one uh, yesterday. And there's a gang war going on and trying to, you know, navigate through that, try to get it stopped. Now, if black lives matter, how come there's no massive protests on every corner, just like you do when the police do it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where's the campaign? Where are these angry people? Babies get killed. You still don't come out. And so it, 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 it's a gimmick, man. Yeah. And so I cannot respect them because they're not real. They have another agenda and it's not us. To, and they can't stand the black church. And well, yeah, they're Marxists, uh, but they took that off the website and Marxists can't stand the church. So how do you explain the fact that a large portion of the population supports groups like Black Lives Matter, even though we know they're kind of a gimmick? Well, I, I would venture to say when you say a large portion, um, you talk black folk or white folk, because uh, most mm -hmm. black folk that I know that's in the know, know it's a game and a gimmick. If you watch, uh, Michael Brown's family is suing him. I think it's Tamir Rice's somebody else, because they're collecting all of this money off their family members and they never do anything else with it. So people in the hood know they phony. Yes, yes. And, and I know you're short on time because I want to touch on a couple of other issues. And like I say, we talk quite a bit and we all agree that we got some economic issues that we need to get to the root of. We have some educational issues that we need to get to the root of. You Both you and I are very strong proponent of rebuilding the family. And of course, both you and I uh, understand the importance of faith and the role it has historically played in our community. So we are synced up in a lot of ways. We talked a little, and I know there's some uh, meetings and things going on behind the scenes that we're looking at uh, improving, uh, bringing in more black enterprise and developing that. Uh, can you speak a little bit about your vision and goals and things uh, during those discussions as far as bringing business enterprises into these areas? Oh, Lacey, we we will we cannot even begin to talk about uh, moving our community without dealing with economics uh, and education, without a doubt. And it's been hard because one of the things we tried to do a couple of years ago with Bill English is to get this uh, city council and stuff to designate as parts of North Minneapolis as enterprise zones so we could bring in businesses that would have good jobs. I don't need to tell you about that, how, how tough that's been. And so, but we understand that we have to do it. And Ravi Norman and them have been working on some good programs and uh, Lewis King them as well. So we're, we're hitting at it. Uh, I would be lying if I said we're making major strides, but we're making some strides. It's, for me, it's a turtle's pace because there's not that many people who's trying to come help us. And, uh, we also, what people don't, a lot of people probably don't know is that uh, New Salem, and you came to me and asked me to help with it, started up a great charter school uh, yep. with great results. 
Uh, and that experience, I think, taught both of the both of <laughs> us <laughs> that the whole system. That's another scam going on as far as the education achievement. I should call it that. I gotta be a little bit more diplomatic. But we had some issues there, even though we had a great school. Go ahead, Rail. Here, here, here is what we learned. We learned that education really was not first and foremost in their minds. I don't know if you remember the first challenge that we had with our sponsor was the school was running low in money. And I went and got $75,000 and put into the school and they wanted to cancel their sponsorship and got mad. Mm -hmm. because we put money in a school that had our name on it. Mm -hmm. You would think that that would have been something marvelous. Oh, wow. The church is helping uh, to support the school. And so that was the first thing to me that something was wrong. The other challenge that we had, if you remember, they remember when they made us retest all of the yes, kids? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, by the way, before they made us retest them, they withheld our money, and we had to go out and find the money to pay for the test. Exactly. And what wound up happening, only one person uh, yep. was questionable, and they uh, passed them. Yep. At the end of that year, our kids' first year school. Now, here's what's interesting. Remember now, most of our teachers was first year young white teachers. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Our kids tested in the 86th percentile. And do you not know, just in case you forgot, over the last two or three years, the students who went there graduated early yes. from high school. Yes. Some are in college going on to, 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 to their degrees. And so they canceled our sponsorship. We then found another sponsor, remember, yeah. after they pushed us to push you out. Right. I remember that. Okay? Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah. And so doing everything they asked us to do, they still dumped us. We turned around and got another sponsor. That sponsor waited two days before the deadline and dropped us. Yep. I remember all that. And, you know, because uh, I was involved. And what I should point out to people, the Minnesota Department of Education, and I'm going to mention the name specifically, Chuck Spiker. Yeah. Uh, they were crazy about our school, our leadership, and everything else. Our biggest issue was with the sponsor. And I tell everybody, I can't prove this, but we're probably the only charter school that didn't stay in business even though we had the – 100% support of the Minnesota Department of Education, and there was an issue with sponsors, and I think somewhere down the line, because now they don't have sponsors anymore, they have advisors, and I think our case might have helped contribute to that. So, and, and, and by the way, to our audience, um, that was probably the biggest professional disappointment I ever had, because I'm just crazy about kids, crazy about education, and if you remember, Reverend McAfee, we went into some of the toughest uh, duplexes and homes in North Minneapolis. And we got children that everybody else said they didn't want because they would bring down the score. But because what we did in our schools, because we weren't scared of our children and because we had a high expectation for them because we didn't stand in the foolishness and stuff. Uh, and we, we had leadership. Uh, we were able to educate these children. And the sad part about it, uh, that's what it's going to take 
uh, uh, to get these children educated. Now, on to the, uh, uh, let's say, uh, the family part. I know we've talked about that. Uh, Rev, and out of respect for your time, let's get straight to the point on that one. How do we rebuild and strengthen the families that we're one, working with? One family at a time. Mm -hmm. If you don't do a proper diagnosis, you'll never come up with a good prognosis. Uh, I, I would challenge your listeners and others to go back and read the Moynihan Report all the way back to 1965. And he came under a lot of fire for what he talked about with the black family, the black father, etc., cetera, uh, and how the female headed households and what the, what the outcome was going to be. And that's what we're dealing with right now. Now, the way that we deal with it is we came up with this concept about five years ago and it was brothers on the block and churches that if we can just start resurrecting the family life, Lacey, that you and I know mm -hmm. that we grew up with mother, father. And if it was not a, a you know, uh, if it was only a mother, you had a great support system of uncles and otherwise, but everybody cared for the family. The stuff you see today, mm -hmm. foreign. The lack of respect that you see is foreign. So what we've been asking families to do at the church, one, I need you to reinstitute your family Sunday dinner. Um, and when you get your family together, I need you to find out, one, what is their educational level? B, what's the economic position? C, what's their mental health like? And then if you find a discrepancy, utilize the tools that's already there in the city, county, and state to help get your family member back to good. Just some simple old caring. Right, right, right. If we well, start there, just one family at a time. Let's not try to get a million. Let's just do one at a time that we can start making inroads. Yeah, and I know you. We got. Can you give me a couple of more minutes here? I know you got to go off to this meeting, but uh, yeah. we've also talked, and I've heard you talk about a lot of people that's supposed to be our friend and helping us. They come to us as if, if we are helpless and they have pity on us. And you and I are like, nah. If you're healthy. And you can work. We expect for you to work for what you get. We're not into giving free stuff and, and, and propping up people with bad habits. And I think that's what's going on in our community. And I think it's time for it to stop. And it's going to take people like you and I and the uh, other people that we're working with to get that message across. Uh, I just love talking to uh, young men and older men who are not uh, taking care of their families and talk to them. And a lot of them, you'd be surprised once you talk to them, you can for lack of a better word, convert them and actually see differences. But they hear so many people just giving them stuff. In fact, I knew, and I'll end with this, I, I knew Minneapolis was headed to a bad place about 20 years ago. And I, I came out, uh, I think it was Super Value then. That's the time I engaged in a conversation with a young lady. And somewhere during the conversation, she said to me, she was telling all her friends they need to come to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Because, mm -hmm. and I'm quoting her here, there is something free on every corner. And so that started then, the trend started. I think it's accelerated. 
Uh, I hope somewhere down the line we can put an end to it and restore our community in Minneapolis back to some kind of semblance of goodness and greatness. But right now, uh, we're just headed towards the wrong wrong direction here. So, Reverend McAfee, I'm going to uh, two things before you go. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to cover? And then I'd like for you to leave a positive message uh, with our audience here. Well, let me let me do that two ways, and I think I can perhaps wrap it. Mm-hmm. While you know that I have been a constant and consistent critic of political parties, Democrats for certain, because they uh, a lot of times just use us, and Republicans for the most part ignore us or can be condescending without any levels of understanding or empathy, not sympathy, because nobody wants that. Uh, we have, here, here's what I can tell you. We will either go up together or we'll go down together. Uh, this society is dangerous and sick. Mm-hmm. Both black and white is dying. And we are gonna either come together and find a way to make this thing work or we'll die as fools. I believe that collective clear minds can do the right thing to help those who need to be helped, those who don't want to be helped, then we got to deal with them differently. Uh, you know me, I don't, you know, I got some work for you. I don't have no welfare for you. I've got some work because it builds esteem. Uh, Solomon says, and all of that getting, getting understanding. And I think we would do well to do that and do what Isaiah said. Come now, brethren, let us reason together. Right. Okay. Well, uh, due to the shortage of time, we didn't delve into all the issues and we didn't delve into the type of person you really are. I've been working with this man, like I say, for 34 years, and I just think he's doing some great work out there. And we're going to continue to work together, Reverend McAfee, and I love the fact uh, that we are committed and we're not going to give up and we're men of God. I mean, men of God don't give up. Uh, and we are objective and we aren't making emotional decisions politically or any other way that we sit down and we talk and think, talk things out rationally and decided. And, uh, I remember when I was work, uh, starting up the school, I got a chance to talk to you often and I sit in your office and I just uh, was impressed by your thinking and even doing the math in your head, because I, I paid attention to the math you were doing in your head and where you thought. And I, I, I'll end it with this. Uh, I've never been a person to take other people's word about someone. I want to get them to know for myself. And I know that in your position of leadership, you got a lot of criticism, still is. And, <laughs> I, <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I'm going to end with this, I guess. Uh, thank you, because I want the audience to know uh, that your spiritual teachings was uh, a lot behind of some of the things I've been out here trying to do and just watching you close up and seeing you just keep it on through the storm of criticism and everything else and trying to get some good results for the community uh, that has inspired me and allows me to put up with a lot of craziness around me while I'm trying to do some things. So appreciate your time. I know you got some other things to go out and do. I hope to have you back on, by the way. And uh, I'll see you soon. Thanks, Reverend McAfee. Have a great evening. You too. Okay.